Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Trevor Steele of the Escape Club. Welcome to the Wild Wild West. Hey, Dave. Hey, Holly. How's it going? It's great. I'm so happy to be back with part two of our interview with Nick Bedding. Yes. It's a fascinating talk. I think uh, we touched on, uh, in part one, his early childhood and development <laughs> into what what Nick Bedding was now we're getting into uh, what Nick Bedding is today. Today, you probably remember your first project, like like okay, Nick, let's. Uh, well, this I, is we're gonna we're gonna give you this. This is your baby band. This is your. This well, is I was be- I was answering phones, Dave. I was I was I was okay. that guy. I was no, I, I was I, I was printing out stuff for people. I I started I started down there, and I will say though at, at Virgin. The, the the I mean, there's so many records. You could talk about Lenny Kravitz. You could, there's there's a lot. UB40. I mean, there's a lot. But when Massive Attacks record came in, Blue Lines came in, it was one of those records that everyone like Phil's playing it, and everyone's like, "What is that? What is <laughs> yeah. that?" I mean, you know? kind of like, yeah, it, yeah. It is, everyone's like gravitating to the office, like, "What is he playing?" And that was one of those. And and again, at that time, which was what ninety one, maybe, mm-hmm. um, you know. Iris, who was doing crossover promotion, you know, taking remixes and stuff to Hot 97 and New York and, you know, looking for that kind of airplay, you know, really you saw this sort of like this new form of, I don't know, we called it trip hop at the time, right? Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, she was like pressing 12 inches and shipping them to radio. And I was like, this is cool, right? It was like, because it was not the norm. It was definitely, you know, left of center to say the least. And but obviously, with all of our interests of music and where we've come from, we've never... I mean, even though I am unapologetically a pop geek, I do love pop music. You know, Wham! was a part of my mm-hmm. thing. I will readily admit it to you both. Um, but but so the massive attack moment at, at Virgin was kind of one of those like, wow, this is this is cool. Because you're seeing people mm-hmm. really kind of like, oh, how do we, yeah. how do we get this out there? What are we going to do with this? And that was that was pretty exciting to see. And the obviously, and again, the alternative department, which you know was just different at that time, and the college department. And you know, I saw you know people really dig in to try and do something exciting for something that was new, and what, that was cool. What was your department? Where, where it was where, promotion? The promotion department. Just yeah. so, just overall. Yeah. So you you were like the. Uh, well, the, I, the, I worked the, explicitly for Iris Dillon and Tom Callahan, which was the crossover department and the AC department, um, but. The office was probably about as big as the room we're sitting in. You know, it was like it was a very 
you you were okay. engaged with everybody. It's so grassroots. It sounds mm-hmm. so. So describe the same. I mean, you're in the center of it. Are you hearing people screaming all over the place? You know, oh yeah. Like, this is how you oh, learn yeah. promotion. So, <laughs> so what do you hear? I mean, what is what what are your impressions of like? Oh my God! Talking to these people like this—it was pretty lively. It was pretty lively. I mean, I worked with a a guy by the name of Jeffrey Norman who still does promotion. He's an incredible promotion man from Boston. I'm still trying to get him into the. Oh, he would be phenomenal. You you have to make it so. (laughs) And he is just—I mean, he was—you know—I remember sitting at my desk, and and John Lydon came in, and you know, all all of a sudden, you know, there's there's a lot to take in there. You know, Mm -hmm. he's wearing this public image jacket with like safety pins, like keeping it together with pill stickers, and I'm just like. And he's hanging out with Jeffrey. And I cannot believe, like, you know, John Rotten, you know, because he'll always be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is hanging out with Jeffrey Norman and they're just like shooting the shit. And I'm like, wow, this is incredible. <laughs> and, you know, but there was an authenticity to their dynamic because no matter what, and I'm not saying John was, you know, like hungry for hits as much as he was like looking to share his music. And Jeffrey was his component. He was the piece that was yeah. helping connect those dots for him. And um, so you see this, you know, you see the connection. You know, you do see the connection between the artist and the promotion people. And, of course, you know, the programmers, the curators, you know, they they have a very specific um, job to do. And playing things that are new aren't always, you know, top priority because they need to maintain listenership, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, you have this core group that's out just thumping on you know records and it's just really exciting it's cool pluggers they call them in the uk pluggers <laughs> like here too didn't we call record pl- i mean pluckers behind no, the scenes pluggers pluggers, pluggers. 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 Not pluckers. pluggers. <laughs> if, if you're saying this about johnny john lyden mm. who doesn't want to get the record played on radio right, right. i mean if still the case I, I i was um i was actually just reading a, a, an article in in, in Forbes makes me sound super smart, but it was like one of those things that came up in my feed. And it was from Fletcher, who was sort of found, I think, through the Spotify system. And, you know, she, uh, you know, all of a sudden was on, you know, the face of New Music Friday. And then everyone's like, oh, who's Fletcher? And she was doing this. I think it was with Spotify at this this uh, retreat in, in Aspen where they were talking about, you know, Spotify. And there was a quote where it said, well, yes, I got signed to Capitol Records because I was looking to expand myself into the radio space. And I was like, wow, look at that. Still today where, you know, obviously I'm going left on you guys. But it's, it, you know, obviously the choice and the amount of opportunity that there is to listen to music in different places has changed dramatically. But there's still that hearing your song on the radio is still cool. Still cool. That yeah. always makes me I get warm and fuzzy inside when I hear that because... Mm-hmm. Well, all of us, we've been, I've been all about radio. I mean, my whole life I have loved radio. So I love hearing that artists still appreciate radio. And, oh, yeah. 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 I, I, again, it's, I mean, it's still kind of in our culture, right? Like ra- mm-hmm. radio isn't like some, it's not like, you know, we're talking about a wind up gramophone and everyone's like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, look at us all. We're putting our, our, our turntables back out, you know? Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's just something exciting. I mean, even as, as a promotion guy, when you work really hard to get something done and you're bringing the artist in, you're doing events, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're just doing everything you can to get that opportunity to have something played, and then you hear it on the radio, and you're like, oh. That sense so, of accomplishment. Yes, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 
Okay, well, can so, I just... Oh, okay, go ahead. I just yeah. want to go back to something you said, mm. which is an aside and nobody has to respond to it. But the fact that you said that you are all about pop, pop music, uh-huh. because I, I am too, you know that, and Dave knows that. But I was ready to be intimidated by you. Dave just gave me a little bit of your background, <laughs> and I you know, looked at, at a few things, and I thought, okay, yeah, I was a total poser with the whole mod and Scott thing. I mean, I let the specials, specials and madness and you know the, the surface stuff. Um, so I was ready to be all intimidated by you. So I now feel so much more comfortable that you said yeah, that you no, know about the I'm definitely. Because okay. Wham is. When, it, when all is said and done, we're all pop fans. Yes, Come well, pop fans, we but you're, you're much broader. I mean, you know, my knowledge is fairly broad, but your your and your appreciation is is broader. You know, okay. I mean, I, <laughs> I always listen to what you recommend to me. You know, things that you that I haven't heard that you send to me. I always listen to it, but I don't know after that that I would go searching for more of it. You know, I kind of gravitate to the same. You know, the same. It's not the same, but uh, same yeah. genres. Anyway. No, it's and that's why we're going to this Pasadena. <laughs> a dating festival, festival because it's Robert Smith curated it yes. and said these are the bands that I like and yes. so that's like, cool yeah. well I'm into that yeah. alright yes. I don't know these bands but I, I'm going to give them a shot and we've been listening to them love them and as we've acknowledged yeah. you can see why he chose these yeah. bands just yeah. by listening to them yeah that's cool yeah so anyway sorry that was an aside no, <laughs> no. Talk- like, you had a question well, no Dave. I, I have I have no <laughs> questions it's just who were your first initial bands that you that you you promoted, promoted that you were excited about and like this i mean because i'm sure there were some projects like all right yeah. i guess this is the the artist of you know that that the that maybe the labels behind that you're right. not necessarily well behind, in, but that you were excited about so i ended up um leaving virgin i think uh, I, I think i did like two years at virgin and then you know, obviously, I wanted. I wanted at that point. I was like, I got to I got to be doing promotion, and obviously, an opportunity in, in promotion at that point in time, where radio was really the big dog, was tough. You know, yeah. and um, I was. Uh, it was like a friend of a friend, like this, like oh yeah, the the the, the AC person at, at Geffen is looking for a, a second, and I was like, ooh, <laughs> okay. So I ended up, you know, calling and sort of saying, "Hey, I hear maybe there's something going on up there." And she's like, "Her name is Claire. Her name was Claire Wetz, Claire Parr. She's a phenomenal promotion person and person." And uh, she's like, "Yeah, I need someone to assist me, and then someone to call the secondaries." And I was like, "Sounds pretty good to me." <laughs> and so um, again, I, I'm like, "It sounds so easy. It's not that easy." But um, <laughs> well, it, I mean, looking back. It, it seems easy, but you were making connections. This is These true. People, this is true. Work. I mean, yeah. And again, I think if you're, you know, if you're do, if you're working hard, I think people obviously say nicer things about you. And I think maybe I put my time in at Virgin, and so, you know, I think they knew I was ready to work. Mm-hmm. And so I end up getting, you know, going to work at Geffen Records. Can you imagine such a thing? I and and I was like, I had no idea what I was stepping into. All I knew was like Guns and Roses. You know, I'm like, oh, they're known for Guns and Roses. Well, oh my God, who knew Nirvana was right around the corner? You know, who knew Teenage Fan Club was around the corner? And you know, it was just like there was just all this like great, great music, and obviously getting an opportunity to work, you know, under someone. You know, not that I was like, hi, Mr. Geffen, mm-hmm. but you know, it was like, wow, this is pretty cool. I'm getting to work for David Geffen's company, and that was pretty special and there was some incredible promotion people and people i keep saying promotion people but just incredible music executives that were incredibly passionate about getting music exposed you know so um so that leads me to my first project because um 
it was an interesting space to be because in the AC department, which is a, a more adult department, it was Cher. It was Kathy Tricoli. It was like <laughs> these sort of like more super mainstream mm-hmm. type of records. And obviously Geffen had a lot of more alternative left of center records. And I remember Claire saying to me, we had this record by the Sundays had this cover on it, mm-hmm. Wild Horses, and we all loved it. We were like, oh, my God, we love this record. Love and um, she's like, you know, there's a grip of radio stations out there. They, 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 they don't really play, like, alternative stuff, but it's not, not alternative, and we didn't know what we were calling it. She's like, it's NCS in Burlington. It's KGSR in Austin. <laughs> it's KFOG in, in San Francisco. And today in the industry, we refer to them as adult alternative radio stations, but at that time... It was just radio stations that was kind of still a little bit off the cuff, you know. So um, that's really where my opportunity to work records came to, came to be because it was like, you know, we had Peter Gabriel. We had the Sundays. We had Pat Metheny. Mm-hmm. We had like all this like sort of really great but just didn't fit in, right, the, yes. in, the, in, in, in the box. And so that's really where I got to start calling radio and going hey and of course they're like us right they're like you have the sundays yeah (laughs) so that's kind of where that piece came together and and it was great and i loved it and then geffen went through a a a great deal of change i mean the the dgc which was the david geffen company and geffen records merged together Mm -hmm. there was changes and then i was unemployed (laughs) so but then the good part for me was that my old boss at Virgin, Tom Callahan and Claire from Geffen, uh, they created an independent company, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, was a sort of a, a promotion person that was, uh, you know, not hi- it was hired by record companies to go out and promote, promote their records as additional voices. Um, so I got to do that for a few years, which was phenomenal. You know, it was, again, that's really where I, I got my chops. I mean, I was, you know, working a lot of records and they were I, I wish I could. I mean, it was like, you know, Tasman Archer. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I was working that, you know, and then you're working Celine Dion. You know, it was like it was so all over the place. But again, it was it was fast and it was a lot of different material. And so you're learning to work these different records to different people in different ways. And and it was it was really kind of like that two years of like, woof. This is insane. All right. Well, talk to me about working a record. What is mm. that? What does that mean when you when you're on the phone? Yeah. You've sent the hey Dave is Nick yeah <laughs> person you remember that yeah first well Callahan I think is where I first started talking to you discovered that there's a Nick betting in the world were you uh, at DM, where were you at the yeah, time at DMX, DMX. Yeah. yeah so well anyway you so the, the record is sent to the programmer sure and then what is your what did you do then well, the, like hey did you get it yeah the, great the, <laughs> you know what what what, 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 what do you have in your arsenal that you know like what is and it's funny. It's good. This is this is a good this is a good lesson, Dave. Because I, I mean, obviously, I haven't really given this a great deal of thought. But like, you're almost like a, and I, I dare say this because people are going to roll their eyes. But you're almost like you're the hype man, right? You're the you're mm-hmm. the big believer. You're the guy that's like, mm-hmm. you got to love this. This is in this is the best thing you've ever heard. You know, you're that guy. Not that you're going to use that type of terminology, but that's what you embody. You embody like when you get someone on the phone that's being talked to uh, to about many many records. You hope that when you get them on the phone and you start talking about, we'll, we'll just use Massive Attack as the example, you're that guy that's like, no, this is going to change things. Th- th- what's happening here is 
moving forward and we have to be a part of it and you have to be on the front side of it and you have to be a participant in this. You know, so your job is to enthuse and excite people to want to step into something new and step into something that is, you know, hopefully going to reward the radio station and the audience and everybody's like happy together because all of a sudden they're playing something that's popular or exciting to people. So that role has changed. Doesn't mean you're not still excitable and you're not still someone that is their champion and artist champion because that's what you are. But obviously, you know, metrics has changed the game in a big way. And, um, you know, there's so much that we all refer to that you know, a part of me is saddened that, you know, the the what is the emotional big drivers and all this stuff is somewhat muted by, you know, well, I only got this many streams this week. And you're kind of like, eh, still a great record. Um, so, you know, it's it, it's an interesting time to be in promotion. Um but yes, the, the, the overall goal of the promotion guy was to be the champion of the artist in going out across the country and talking to programmers who curate radio stations. So that's Did you do any tours with uh, like put put uh, artists in the in the car with you and you're driving them through uh, I have know, done the a lot of that. I have done a lot of that, Dave, as a matter of fact. <laughs> have you? <laughs> oh, do tell. Oh, oh the oh the promo tour you're talking about. Oh yeah. Well again, that's a big part of um, we'll use the word the sell is that you want to be able to take your artists out into radio stations and meet the people that are programming because obviously there's always something different once you create a connection with someone right it's like it's just uh you know i mean you you become a little bit more invested as as your relationship grows with someone and yeah i i I mean uh, i remember we had josh kelly had this song called you're amazing Mm -hmm. and it was smack dab in the middle of like John Mayer and Jason Mraz and everyone's like, really? Another one? And of course, I was just like, I, have you listened to the lyrics on the song? Baby, you're amazing. Who doesn't want to be told that? <laughs> you know, so we basically were like, we're getting in the car. And um, we did that. We got in the car. <laughs> and we drove for Come on, kids. Let's get in the car. We're going for a ride. <laughs> going on a radio station tour that's that's what we did and you know you're driving you know hundreds of miles to spend 30 minutes with people but you know again and in that case i mean josh is a a very talented singer and guitar player and you know he could really you know engage someone when he got into the room and we all know that you know we've all seen the difference between an artist that can walk into a room and Mm -hmm. really engage and then the ones you're like are they okay so, um, and he was, he was that guy. Mm-hmm. He could walk in and, and light it up and, you know, we ended up doing very well with that record and it would, but yes, the, the getting out in the road, Dave, that's a real thing that happens. It's not just spinal tap, you but know? it makes all the difference in the world. I know. Oh, big it, time. Yeah. yeah. Big time. <laughs> but still, that's the, that's, that's, again, we talk about that emotional connection, right? That's how, that's how it's made. Yeah. Those are those, those mm-hmm. moments when they really, you see those things, those things come together. Did you ever walk into a room with someone with an artist and the the programmer or the music director didn't take to them and and Holly like a- Holly <laughs> Holly really I'm sure that never happened <laughs> never they're all so kind and welcoming <laughs> I mean you know uh, everyone has bad days you know not everyone's happy twenty four seven and uh, you know you have your you have you have moments like that but that's when the promotion guy really steps up. <laughs> You fill in the blanks. You you step in and you are the the uplifter. You're the excitable guy, and you know you kind of you kind of you're the filler between you know between the programmer and the artist, and 
you you find that connection. But uh, but yeah, like I say, I mean, and some of it, you know, it, it's it's a pretty intimidating role. I'm sure that when you know, and I think about this quite a bit when artists, you know, are thinking about what they're doing and they're writing songs and you know they're not thinking like I wonder if I'm going to be in a car with some promo guy you know, <laughs> schlepping across the country and, and and I'm sure that when you know you walk in and all of a sudden everyone's just staring at you like okay it's what you got you know that's kind of like a uh what um I got this song that I wrote and I got signed and I'm going to play it for you you know mm. but um it's 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 a I'm sure a very interesting experience being in that role and then as I'm sure, like anything, right, you get used to it, you become more comfortable with it, you become more confident with it, and you, you start to own it. And all of a sudden, you know, things are, you know, they change. Anyone do the break? Okay. Can we just take a break now? <laughs> yeah, let's please take a break. I'm exhausted. Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. go from after you left Callahan mm. you had an opportunity with back with capital or what or yeah well I mean that was again talk about the relationship scenario um that was with Phil Costello who hired, you know mm-hmm. primarily was a big advocate for me at, at Virgin had become the senior VP over at capital and they were looking for this hybrid promotion person for what was hot EC radio and AAA and he's like Nikki come over here <laughs> that's how he sounds and so um, I was obviously I'd driven by the Capitol Tower many, many, many times. And the idea and the opportunity to work there was pretty awesome. So, I mean, I went in there and, and I remember uh, sitting with their national team and, you know, you're, they're all drilling you, almost like I'm the artist, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, so we've got this record, this Mazzy Star record. What would you do with that? You know, and so they're, they're asking you like these these 
I guess, tough questions. But again, you're you're like, this is Massey Star we're talking about. It's like mm. this record is like on fire. Everyone is like falling in love with her. Um, obviously, it was a duo, but with her. Um, but <laughs> so you know, and I, again, uh, very blessed that I got that opportunity. That was I met my wife there. That was that's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who I love very much. At that point, Gary Gersh, who was doing A and R over mm-hmm. at Geffen, when I was there, he had actually. I remember being in a room where he was making his presentation on uh, Peter Gabriel's um, what was Digging in the Dirt album. What album was, was it? That? Us. Yes, it was us. Yeah. Thank okay. you. He was doing his presentation on us. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's crazy, right? You're sitting yeah. in a room, and Gary at that point was an A and R guy, a well respected one, obviously. But you know, he's 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 doing the pitch to the label. And it's like so cool. So, <laughs> so then Gary becomes the president of of, mm-hmm. of Capital Records, and and Phil sent it up to the senior VP role of promotion. And I got that that job. I went in, and again, sitting in a place that none of us knew what was about to happen. You know, it was <laughs> all of a sudden you're like, wait, so wait, the drummer from Nirvana has a band? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, that was a good story because I, I mean, well, it, well then tell it. Well, well because <laughs> I, I remember, you, you know, we're all in our offices or whatever, and then you get the Gary wants us upstairs. Okay, so you go up to the conference room, and then Gary walks in, and he's like, "Okay, so girl's got a record, and it's going to be ours, and I want to play it for you." Okay, <laughs> oh you know, God, and again, I, you know, I'm kind of like you know, like a fly on the wall almost in this situation, you know, and. um and he played uh, this call, mm-hmm. oh very loud, very loud. Because you have to. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we were all like, "What? That's incredible!" You know. And then, of course, you know, history has written itself on that. But uh, to be, but it hadn't at that time. I mean, oh it, it's, no! So it's your. That's yeah. it's on it's on you. It, well, it's on the yeah. I mean, uh, every oh, right. every format has uh, the alternative format, right. the pop formats. They all have their own. VP or director of of those formats, and obviously Foo Fighters was alternative, and so Brian McDonald was the head of that department, and you know he definitely championed that in a very big way, um, and and as did Phil. I mean, Phil was uh, you know I, I remember going over to Phil's house prior to getting the job at um, at at Capital, and him going, I I got this record, and we're going to sit and listen to it. I mean, I mean, can you imagine this? Like, you go no. up to someone's house and you're like, "We're gonna put a record on. We're gonna listen." Yeah, it was Jeff Buckley's Grace. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but that was I was Columbia, right? Or is that? Yeah, but still, okay. yeah. I mean, you're like you're you're with people like just, like-minded. Yeah, that yeah, are like minded. Yeah, just like, oh, we're gonna play a record. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna sit down and listen to a record. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I yeah, I would never do that. That's. But you know, but you know dream. your audience. Yeah, exactly. You know your audience. Exactly. Like this is something you'll, a- you'll appreciate. Absolutely. But still, but, it, but I appreciate that. I mean, Phil would like this you, isn't you, our artist, right? But this you're, is, this you're is something you should need. Yeah. You need you're to know. You need this. to hear this. Yeah. That's, so uh, that's know, a dream. I mean, that's what it's like. Promotion people. We're promoting right. one another. Just nerd. Right. <laughs> it's still nerds. Just nerding <laughs> over. Exactly. You got it. You got it. Exactly. All right. So you get to you get to nerd because you're at you're at Capitol Records, and all of a sudden you. Um, you're working with Duran Duran. Yes. All right. Yeah, that's a good one. So someone, you touched on this mm. when we were off mic, mm. but that uh, someone was man who was managing the band? Well, again, you cut to us at like 15, right? And we're all like, 
you know, tying sashes around our waist. And it's like, oh, my God, Duran Duran. And then the next thing you know, you're like, oh, yeah, you're going to be working with Duran Duran. You're like, oh, wow. And, you know, Ordinary World had already been out. And so they had sort of resurged. And um, they had put out Thank You. It was a, that covers yeah. record. You mm-hmm. know? And, um, and they didn't have a manager. But Nick Rhodes was managing the band. So I, I kid you not, it would be like, Nick Rhodes is on the line. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> You're just like thrown into a panic, right? Because, yeah, hello, cult hero on the phone for you to talk about records. You're like, oh, my God. Okay, that's so weird. It was awesome. Yeah. And, and you know what? I will say he was so – he was a very nice guy. Very nice guy. Very gracious um, yeah, I really enjoyed that time working with them. I mean, you know, that was that was a pretty. That's got to be weird though, because he's the artist and he's the manager. Was, how do you complicated? That's what I mean. Yeah, how do you, that that was a complicated. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, you you know, I use the word empathy simply because you know you whenever you talk to anyone about anything that's close to them, you're not like, hey, everything's sucking, and uh, catch up next week. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you 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 walk through the process like. This is where it's going over. This is where we're having problems. There's a holdout here, but they're looking for a show, so maybe we can talk about something along those lines. You know, so you know, you're you're having a sort of matter of fact conversation with them. Is it easy to separate though? But it's Nick Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so not so easy to separate. I mean, you know, you don't want to be the guy that's like the total fanboy, but like when you hang up the phone, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> you know. Um, so. It was that was that was a pretty unique experience, and then of course my other unique experience in that same sort of vein was, um, you know, was it nineteen eighty seven? License to Ills comes out. Mm-hmm. Beastie Boys are like, you know, you're just like every, everyone's thumping the Beastie Boys mm-hmm. in there, you know, in their yeah, in their well, Honda Civics. Yeah, I am. That's me. And um, Capital, I, I think Gary did the deal that signed Grand Royal, which was yeah. the Beastie Boys label to a, an imprint mm-hmm. inside of. Capital, and they um, obviously had Luscious Jackson. You know, great. Everybody loved Luscious Jackson. Super hip. Everyone. It was super cool. And um, and their head of their label was uh, Mike D. (laughs) (laughs) So you're like, you're you're. We were working Naked Eye at the time, and it was um, you know, in um, you're you know you're in meetings, you know, and Mike D. You know, you've sung along to however many Beastie Boys songs. And you have to keep it together. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, the song's going over well. <laughs> you know, and uh, but again, these are like those privileged situations, you know, where you're just kind of like, I can't believe I'm here. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, you're expected to be able to do your job. You know, I mean, again, it's, you know, as I say, we all got into this because we're music fans, right? We didn't just kind of like oh i just stumbled into the music business you know yeah. that you you got to have you know you got to have some thick skin to stick around in this thing but um but it, it was it was a, a pretty incredible story and the only other really embarrassing it is an embarrassing one but on me so um again capital records cocteau twins hello <laughs> i mean come on so heaven all of vegas obviously a huge record for many of us for me and then we had Four Calendar Cafe. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to go to Nobu for dinner with the band, right? So I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Going to dinner with the Cocteau Twins. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so I'm sitting there at this dinner and we're all, you know, everyone's ordering food. And then they order the edamame. 
I'd never had the edamame, <laughs> right? So what? Yeah, well, we're going back. It's like eighty. <laughs> we're going no, back. No, it was like ninety. What? Six, maybe. Right, right in that zone. But there's edamame. Like, yeah, I put the whole thing. thing in your mouth. I put the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Chewed it. Oh, yeah. I chewed, chewed it up. I chewed wow. it. I chewed it. Yeah. And swallowed I, it. And you, you kept, yeah. you kept the. <laughs> uh, that's what I meant to do. Face, right? Mm-hmm. Did anyone correct you at the time? <laughs> Need I remind you I'm a promotion yeah, guy? Yeah. Uh, uh, wait, you, how, wait, you don't eat it all? Yeah, that's how they do it in Japan. Yeah. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> yeah, Elizabeth, why don't you try that? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I was sitting next to the art director. I forget her last name. Kathy. Sue, again, very, very, very cool. And I think she was giving me the look like, dude, don't, don't do that. I was like, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also trying to picture. I, I'm just picturing eating edamame in front of people anyway, which I don't like to do. You know, and your family's yeah. fine because it's not a. It's, it's not really. Uh, you know, it just it's all gross when you think about it. It's, I mean, I love edamame. Yeah, it's definitely a. It's a. It's a contact sport. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but that's better. That's a better story. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, those are. But but again, I, I'm repeating myself. But it, it truly is a privilege. To work with any any manager that is, you know, stepping out to support an artist is, you know, a huge commitment and of time and energy and passion. And then, you know, to actually be in a position to be able to work directly with someone who's in a band, especially like Duran Duran, which obviously, you know, if we look at what they're doing today and doing a residency in Vegas now and it's mm-hmm. like it's, you know, they've it, it's that full circle type of scenario. Right. Like mm-hmm. now it's again, it's like, oh, my God, Duran. So cool. Yeah. Well, OK, so then. Things at Capital wind up. They do, and I'm unemployed. <laughs> as, as things seem to happen. <laughs> but you're resilient, obviously. <laughs> I'm a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, that that finished up, and um, I mean, I can't believe we didn't even touch on Radiohead. But I guess you know, know. what? Hey, you know. What? Yeah. Well, that's true. That was. Yeah. So were you responsible for that? No, that was that was Phil. Phil thought of that. That was Phil. Right. And and a, a okay, guy. so explain this this promotion, this crazy promotion. So when they dropped um, Paranoid Android, right? Yes. That was it was like six minutes long, right? Everyone's like, "What are we going to do with a six minute long song?" And at that point, you know, they were very much like, "This is this is embodies exactly where we're at, and we're not editing it, and we're not doing this," and completely understandable. And then Phil comes to work on a Monday, and he goes, "I've got this idea. We're just going to glue the." Oops, sorry. I did it all. <laughs> no, that's good. That's, that's very it's enthusiastic. Better, it's better than just nodding your head. Which <laughs> and Phil's like, we're gonna we're gonna just tape. We're gonna glue the the tape in a Walkman and just send it to everybody. And then there's a guy. He's, he, he was Phil's right hand man. His name was Matt Harris. Great guy. And he was sort of responsible for you know the super glue action. Like I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm doing this. You know? <laughs> Because again, you're, you 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 don't know at that point, right? You're you're kind of like you. We're all kind of like, wow, this is this is a trippy song. It's kind of it's cool. Yeah. And then you see the video, and you're like, wow. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, all of a sudden, you know, this thing goes out there, and the the I, I use the word novelty of this thing arriving with a cool Radiohead sticker on it, and you know, everyone's like, what are they doing over there at Capitol? They're losing their minds or whatever they they thought, and then. You know, you actually, you know, put these things on and you actually hear the music and you're like, oh, shit, there's something serious going on. Here. <laughs> you know? And and again, that was, you know, you're, you know, I mean, obviously I, I, I was 
I was not on the forefront of that. You were kind of like on the outside looking in going, oh, my God, this is crazy what's going on. And then all of a sudden it just starts to snowball and, you know, things just begin to happen. And So it was like 300 walk. It was an actual walk. Yeah, mail. it was a Walkman. Yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah, they mailed Walkmans to, <laughs> programmers, every, yeah. to programmers throughout the United States. Yeah. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. I and think just, that's and just force them, like, okay, you want to listen to this? You, yeah. you have to. You have listen. to. I, and, and you, you should if you're doing and your you job. You can't take it. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, there, yes. I mean, there is that. And, and I think, you know, again, when you, when you bring something that unique to the marketplace, you have to do something unique mm-hmm. yeah. to have people go, all right, what are they up to? What are they thinking? I mean, yeah, at the time it was just, you know, stacks of CDs yeah. and like, yeah. all right, well, you know, it, you know your, your music's in that stack somewhere. Can you, can you look through it and see if you can find it? Or you could just say, "Oh, yeah, we sent you a Walkman. Go, uh, go, go, go grab that. Go grab that. And listen to it. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, here. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I already did. Usually, you know, like, yeah. oh my god, this is something. That's you need. such a great idea. Oh, it's it brilliant for a brilliant, brilliant album. And yeah, it's a brilliant song. Yeah. I was, yeah, that was that was a really, that was a really special time to be there. You know, in that arc with all of that happening, and obviously, Intergalactic came out as well, and mm-hmm. we were at South by and. You know, the, the band wasn't there. And, and again, I, I, you know, we, we decided we're going to just play the single at, at some bar. You know, that was kind of like the, and I don't, and I, again, I have to give Phil his props here because he was the one that was like, just, we're just going to tell people. We're not going to like, like give out flyers. We're going to be like, oh, we're going to play the Beastie Boys track over at some bar. You know, of course, it is packed to the gills, right? And we're all like, wow, this is insane. Mm-hmm. And then you play Intergalactic and everyone's like losing their minds, right? So. Think about awesome. that, though, as a music lover, oh. you know, and especially because South by Southwest at that time was all oh, yeah. about the music. Yeah. And I mean, and so I can only imagine hearing something like that and not making a decision not to show up. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Again, yeah. I, yeah. But it is brilliant. It's just saying, look, yeah. we've got something special. Yeah. Just that to have the confidence, yeah. you know, like capital, you know, Phil had that like, yeah, yeah. this is this is something special. So we got to do something for this. Yeah. So he was yeah. really meant to be doing that job. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, now he's a manager and manages local natives and he's just, you know, he's he's always, I think in my opinion, and I obviously look at him as a part of my my mentors and he's always come from a place of passion with, with music. And I, and, I, and I think of being a promotion guy, you get told no a lot, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, can you? No. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll talk again next week then, right? <laughs> so, you know, it you, you have to, you know, you got to have the passion to keep you you know sparring with everybody to 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 move mm-hmm. and I, it sounds so i don't know how it sounds but you know it it you just have to you just have to continue to to push for what you want to have happen because if you feel passionately about what you're you're bringing to the marketplace then you just got to have that tenacity and that tenacity is through being passionate about the music there you go That's good. all right so <laughs> after after capital after mm-hmm. cap, after yes Phil, Dave. Phil move, everyone moves on people move on <laughs> people change people change <laughs> things change the industry keeps moving along chug along doing its own little thing Nick, Nick's on the train <laughs> suddenly the train leaves Two. drops him off well I was I, I, again someone that's revered in the business Karen Glauber uh, did offer me an opportunity to come and work at Hits and um Ah. You know, write, <laughs> write a column, not my strong suit. I'm sure they would all agree. Um, but um, it was it was actually really fun because it gave me a different perspective. Sorry, a different perspective on 
communicating and talking to radio. It was a little bit of a different space because you're kind of asking them about what's working. It's like not the promotion people don't ask those questions, but instead of you being the promotion guy, you're kind of like, you know, this sort of third party mm-hmm. to the situation. So that was a really it was a fun experience. Um, it did not last very long and not because I did not enjoy the job. The the writing was a challenge. I'll readily admit that. But then the P- VP of pop at Capitol Records had gone over to Hollywood Records and they needed someone. And so he called me and was like, hey, I'm going to have something and I think it would be good for you. And I was like, I would love that. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it was, uh, you know, uh, an opportunity to go at that point. Of course, again, English, you're thinking, the Walt Disney Company? I'm really going to go work for the Walt Disney Company? That's insane. Um, so, uh, you know, so then I went over to, to Hollywood Records, and they were just they were just on the heels of Fastball. So they were feeling like their momentum, and mm-hmm. we stepped straight in, and there was this boy band from the U.K. called B.B. Mac. They had the song Back Here. It blew up. It was like, you know, I had a number one record within like a year of being there, and everyone's like, this is great. And it was, and it was fun. And it was fun. It was, uh, it, and again, I, I, I spent you know nineteen years there, and 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 I would say, in that nineteen years, it was it was a, a, an incredible ride of, you know, the Miley Cyruses and the Demi Lovatos and the Jonas Brothers and uh, the Selena Gomez's, which have all gone on to be, you know, pop, <laughs> you know, kind of c- cultural, you know, artists. I mean, they just they just. They're just in the scene, right? Mm-hmm. So be, to be able to be a part of that was really cool, and and again, that wasn't I wasn't always on the very front lines with that, you know. Um, but again, seeing people move these artists into pop culture and see and now seeing their full sort of you know successes is is super rewarding to say, wow, yeah, I remember when you know we met them for the first time, right. You know, and they were they were kids, and then you see Miley perform that track on the VMAs, and you're like, oh, "Wow!" You know, that's a voice. I mean, she always had a voice, but you, you're just like, "Oh God, yeah, that's that's impressive." Mm-hmm. You know, and look at the Jonas. I mean, it's like, you know, again, our pop thing. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, really, really fun to to have watched that um, come through, and been privileged to be a part. I mean, Dave, you and I shared some good times on Grace Potter. You know, the artist mm-hmm. that. I mean, talented beyond belief, sure. you know, and uh, recognized uh, in a big way. And she signed to Hollywood Records, and I got to spend many, many years in the car riding around. <laughs> That's it's Grace. I still hear you say Grease Potter constantly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mary. That was a good song. Oh, yeah. Uh, relevant today. Okay, so you also worked uh, a little bit with Queen's catalog is on there. What what was your role in that? <laughs> well, because Holly's obsessed with the band, as everyone is. I, I was going to say, I mean, again, I am English. My dad was a massive Queen fan. And um, I, I, my role, again, very peripheral to, you know, the catalog element of Queen. Um, uh, I think that, you know, we would service their music to AAA, you know, I mean, they did that record with Paul Rogers, Bad Company. And right. that was one that it was probably brought more into my world for the adult alternative panel to be able to, you know, to try and get some some airplay on that. Um, and I did, uh, again, have an opportunity to sit down with Brian and 
I mean, really. I mean, what, what, what can I really say? I'm, you're just like lost for words. You're like, mm-hmm, yeah, okay, this is great. You know, you, I mean, it's incredible. And then you watch, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody, and I think we've all been, you know, kind of uh, reminded of what, uh, on so many levels, of what an important band they were. And, you know, again, to be able to say that you, sm- you play a small part in anything that's that yeah. big is, you know, pretty incredible. And in, and in fact, now I'm... Uh, you know, I'm getting ready to work with Adam Lambert on his new release. And so it's 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 really quite special, you know. So, yeah, it's really cool. All right. So now we're in the future. Mm. <laughs> there are lanes are no more. Mm-hmm. No one's, you know, Queen doesn't have a lane. You know, everyone's doing whatever they want. Where yeah. where let's see. Let's uh, let's look into the future. Pragna. <laughs> Obviously, streaming is, is the thing now. I mean, where where do you see that's music a, or you know it's a the big question here's it, the, it the, is big the big question, question. Right. i mean and and i think it's your little your place yeah. well i think again this is one of those those questions that will be debated for a while right i, yeah. I don't think we've fully seen everything resolved at this point and and again as we've probably touched on i mean you know all having kids we see how niche orientated they are and if they're tidal people or if they're spotify people or if they're soundcloud people you know that's a bit of an identity thing too mm-hmm. i think that all goes into your your persona and how you're perceived. Um, but I, I, again, I, 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 I kind of always think about like when HBO came out, right. And then, you know, the big three were like, Oh, you know, all of a sudden who's going to pay for television, you know? And then all of a sudden now look where we're at, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 I mean, we can all watch different shows and go, Oh, did you see? And we'll all be like, no, I never even heard of it. Right. So it's like, we know that everything is immensely fragmented. Um, but, and I will name check Seth Godin at this point, but like he always <laughs> talks about engaging and talking to an audience that wants to hear from you. So I think w- when it comes to engaging an artist with an audience, it doesn't have to be the giant broad stroke that we used to shoot from because radio was right. It was like it was it would just connect the dots across the country where now we are seeing things being more fragmented. And that doesn't necessarily mean that things can't be big, right, because it's the old if you like it, then you're going to tell someone. Like some of this stuff hasn't changed. This is the way we consume it that's mm-hmm. changed. I, I, I truly do feel like, you know, radio space and all of this, it's not going anywhere immediately. Um, I think that, and, and again, you look at companies like iHeart that have done an incredible job on branding events alongside with their stations, right? I mean, the the tangible element of ex- experiencing something it still it still plays like going to a show it still plays and um i'm i'm kind of rambling because i don't have a real like Nobody answer does. for you but i think all these spaces are valid i don't i don't think that you know one's more important than the other at this moment in time now you know 6 months from now a year from now maybe something radical changes i i, I and i and you know what i would expect it to change um, because the, as we know, like, you know, we're, we're all holding iPhone 10s and don't know how to use them. Right. So we know that technology just speeds all the way through and we just kind of like hang on and like, here we go. And I do feel like as time progresses, what Apple tried to do with Beats 1 will become consumed on a, on a larger scale or we will sort of gravitate to the um, space where we're all together. You know, because I do think people miss being all together, right? Which is what radio quintessentially yeah. was able to do is bring people together. Yeah. And things have become a little isolated. And I'm not sure if I, you know, if that's just like a total pipe dream. And I'm like, oh, it'd be so great if everything was communal. 
I think that the communal experience is the show experience, and I do think that that means something, and it's going to be an interesting ride to watch it all unfold because I don't really have the answers, Dave. If I did, I'd be a senior VP somewhere. <laughs> well, you There's, are today. There, is, then, there you go. That's senior VP, Nick Vett. <laughs> Betty. Senior VP of myself. Of, of what difference does it make? But then <laughs> <He's> you, got, <laughs> you made a good point, though. That it, just the difference in how it's being consumed now. And I think maybe I'm misunderstanding the point. If if an artist puts a record out there, if it's good, it will be found. There are so many more avenues for it to be found. It isn't necessarily going to be radio. It might be for you and I, you know, for, mm-hmm. for some. Yeah. For lay people. But it will be found, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, and as I say, instead of it maybe being like the singular broadcast that we're used to, it is, you know, I mean, obviously socials have played such a big thing in this. You know, TikTok's played such a big mm-hmm. thing in this. You know, the the amount of ways that things get exposed and then that sort of little, you know, chain reaction starts to occur. I know it sounds trite to say, but we all keep saying, oh, it's the Wild West. It kind of is it the is. Wild West. You know, it's like the... You know, we all kind of feel like this is the way it's going to work. And, and in radio, you know, we all we do call out. Dave knows all about that, <laughs> where, you know, a record gets played, let's say, 250 times, and then they test it. And people are like, yeah, I don't know if I know it. I don't know if I like it. Mm-hmm. And then after 500 spins, people are like, I love it. Yeah. You know, so it's like things just take time. Way. Things take longer. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just a, the process has changed. Um, but, you know, I watch my kids and I and I see them. And it sounds like such the old man thing to say, but watching them consume and how they mm-hmm. consume is is important because that's that that is a part of the sort of growth of how we continue to to build out the business. Don't but, you yeah. always want to ask them, where, I, which I do find myself asking my kids, where did you find that? Where did you first hear that? I want yeah. to know what platform mm-hmm. they used. You know, yeah. why did somebody send it to them? Yeah. Yeah. Now we'll be listening to like you know XMU and. Trevor starts singing along to something. I'm like, how did you know that? Oh, I was on TikTok. I'm like, wow. So your kids are into TikTok? The younger one, Trevor, my younger guy is, and Gavin, I think, is, you know, he's, he's, he's the, um, he was the guy that turned me on to extension, you know, extension, you know, way back. And, and he's definitely like the, the anti-pop playlist on, (laughs) on, on Spotify. And he he jumps down rabbit holes from there. We should uh, wrap this up. Guys, thank thanks. you. So no, much. no. Let me say thank you. I really, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, it's you know, it's fun just to kind of talk about this stuff. And again, you know, I, I would be foolish to say I have all the answers or I think I have the answers. I think that I'm kind of enjoying the ride. I'm kind of enjoying the process because that's what I did from the moment I got into this thing. It's like you know, seeing it. I mean, there's some pieces that still feel very similar and the same, and the way that we go about launching records and so on and so forth to radio, but. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the ride. We yeah. loved hearing about yeah. it. I We're loved hearing about too. it. I love yeah. hearing about the process and the passion behind it. Thank I, you. I love it. Thank yeah, you. that was great, Nick. Thank you so no, much. Thank you. Oh, wait. Oh, 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 no. This is what. This See? is the thing that. Oh, this is not. This I know what this is. Piece of cake. <laughs> this is a piece of cake. I promise you. But this we should be celebrating somehow because this is the last card from the 1980s rock and roll quiz deck. Oh, so wow. now, now we got. Uh, you have something. You have a backup. Oh, I after? have a. We, I have a oh, whole book. Right. Do, I got a whole book. Oh, okay. I'm ready. All right. But, but so we burned through this uh, this quiz deck. That's how many podcasts we've been doing. All right. So you you chime in with we Nick. We got this. You got this. I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to ask it to both of you guys, and just say your name when you're ready to answer the question. Okay. Several rock groups from Australia 
achieved international success in the 1980s. Which of the following bands were from Down Under? Nick. Uh, well, it, 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 is, it is. It is okay. Oh, I have to. I have to hear the uh, bands first. No, Dave does the same thing. We oh, all do it. I, I think. I, no, right, you sorry. do not. I screwed the whole thing. Okay, up. so go and I'll just tell you. You yell yeah, them out, Nick, and I'll tell Nick you if th- they're on the list. Mm. Yeah, go ahead. Throw out. Oh, I got to throw, throw out the list. So throw. in excess. There you go. There's one. There's four. There's men at work. Yeah. Oh, Dave. Well, now it's your turn. Oh, no, ah. there's only, sorry, there's only three, and then one is not. Okay, go ahead. From the 80s. So men so, at work, okay, so in that, excess, and... Hmm. Think rock and roll. Oh. Well, are you going from the 70s also? Mm. Okay. No? International success in the 80s. Inter- All right. Possibly 70s. This okay, so not ACDC. Yeah, ACDC, yeah. yeah. There you go. Okay. Is that all of them? Well, yeah, because the you were supposed to guess which were from Down Under, oh, and the other one would be Ario Speedwagon. Oh, well, oh, clearly, yeah. yeah. Dave, we crushed that. Oh, we certainly did. Yeah, what we what that. about? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you can feel free to name who, more. Who do gurus? Who do gurus? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. Well, that, well, that was my yeah indie indie rock. Right? Love it. Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. Yeah, you're all about Holly. Your... Thank you. Thank you. It was, great so nice. you. it was so nice to meet you. I'm so happy to have you here. And I hope maybe you can come back. Maybe we can have a, you know, choose a whole other topic and have you come back since you're obviously passionate about the music like we are. New music show. Yeah, oh, there, watch oh, out. Oh, watch out. There you go. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so until next week. Until next week. This is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over now. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.